Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, my wonderful, beautiful friends, guys. Welcome back to our slash malicious compliance, where people do exactly what others tell them just to spite them. And in this episode, guys, OP goes to war against an entire HOA led by a Karen and comes out victorious. I hope you enjoyed today's super satisfying stories. Hit subscribe if you haven't. And as always, you can send or link your Reddit post to this email right here. Let's dive in. Okay, so my company takes safety very seriously, to the point that we have safety briefings on the regular to keep us updated. Yesterday, we were talking on compactor safety. One of our big rules is to never ever under any circumstances climb into a compactor unless it's unhooked from any power sources. Now that sounds like common sense, right? Well, dear reader, as you're about to learn, apparently common sense isn't that common. So after getting our briefing, we get our assignments and are sent on our merry way. I go to my area, clean it, and pull trash. As I'm walking to the compactor, what do I see sticking out of it but two trousered legs? After the shock lasting a nanosecond wore off, I start yelling, Hey, what are you doing, you idiot? Don't go crawling around in there! Now I know I shouldn't have yelled, but I was so mad. Well, Mr. Idiot fell out, and he starts yelling at me saying, Don't you go yelling at me! Where's your manager? Get them here right now! At this point, malicious compliance mode activated. So I put my sweetest smile on and say, Of course, I'm sorry, let's go get my manager here. At that, Mr. Idiot smirks, and he says, Good girl. So I call my manager and ask her to come over. Meanwhile, Mr. Idiot is smiling like the cat who got the cream. I'm fighting to keep from smiling because my manager, Miss Heroin, takes safety as seriously as I do. I've seen her reduce grown men to tears over safety issues. So Miss Heroin shows up and Mr. Idiot says, You should train your workers not to yell. Miss Heroin turns to me and says, And why were you yelling at him? I say to her, Because I caught him climbing into the compactor and I got scared that he'd be crushed. In a nanosecond, Mr. Idiot goes from looking like a contented cat to like a scolded dog. After a sound verbal thrashing, Miss Heroin calls Mr. Idiot's manager, and within 30 minutes, Mr. Idiot was clearing out his desk, still smelling of garbage. Guys, you know what? Sometimes you have to yell at idiots like that to get them to listen. And Mr. Idiot getting fired is good for two reasons. First, is to teach him a lesson for being so cocky and smug towards OP. And second, him getting fired might have saved his life because some people have no business working around dangerous machines and heavy equipment. And this person says, as a safety officer, I approve of your bad manners. I have to yell at people on the regular. It's preferable to scraping brains and blood off the pavement. So this happened back in the day with the teacher I used to work with, who taught a class of adult students who took a very high-stakes exam. You had to pass this exam to qualify for scholarships, some aspects of financial aid, etc. This high-stakes exam was multiple choice, and I was a part of the campus's proctoring team. This particular teacher didn't like me very much, and I was fine with that. We had different personalities, and that's okay. As I've said, this is an important test. 
This exam is an important piece of data that the community college system uses to compare its success to sister schools across the county, and even across the state. Now it's not an ACT or an SAT, but it's the junior college version of a GRE, basically. So anyway, during that actual test, it was my job to make sure the classroom was fully functional, math helps were covered up, etc. This included covering up the four quadrants that were labeled in the four corners. The teacher, who we'll call Captain Cheats, was okay with most of my demanded changes. Before the kids took the test, I made sure to cover up the four quadrants, but Captain Cheat was determined to have the four letters in the four corners up still. Now, they were literally framed posters with fancy decorated letters saying A, B, C, and D. At first, I was like, um, I don't see how this could help, but sure. Anyway, the students start walking in, looking at the sparse walls, and seemed panicked for a second. And then they seemed relieved to see the letters were still up. Now, this was my first clue of weirdness, but it really should have been my second. So during the test, I saw the teacher walking around the room, looking at the kids' answers. I noticed a very interesting pattern that if you didn't pay attention, you would miss. No words were spoken. He would walk past the student, the student would look up at the teacher, and the teacher would look away into the middle distance. The student would look at the same middle distance, and then bubble in an answer. It was a little weird, but a very consistent pattern. I then paid a little closer attention and saw that some students were better at hiding what the teacher was doing than others. Some students didn't even look where the teacher looked, they just knew what to bubble somehow. And then it happened. A student took their pencil, pointed at a bubbled-in letter, looked at the teacher. The teacher then looked at me, which I looked away, and then I saw the teacher look instantly at his picture in the corner of the room that said D. The kid then clearly changed their answer to D, even mouthing D, kind of whispering it to themselves, and I'm thinking, wow. So when the testing was over, every student handed in their Scantron and they left. I immediately approached the teacher saying, I can't believe you. Impressive, but disappointing. You're literally cheating these students out of an education. You either have them retake this without your magic signs, or I go to the board. At that, he responds, why don't you tell somebody who gives a crap? Hashtag, good luck proving it. And yeah, the dude cringingly said, hashtag. So enter malicious compliance. The first part of Captain Cheater's comment really set me off. And at that point, honestly, I wasn't probably gonna go ham on this guy. This is 100% due to the accidental cockified cringe factor of saying hashtag. Now maybe I'm just jealous because I'm supposed to be cocky plus cringe and he's killing my vibe. But either way, I will. I will tell somebody who gives a crap. The provost. And the provost indeed gave a crap. This is a community college, which some people see as lesser than, but I see community college as truly superior for the first two years of college courses. The requirements to teach are having a master's plus five years of experience in the field they're teaching, and at the university, you'd be in a class of 500 and never really hear from the actual professor. It's cheaper and higher quality education, so pretty much across the board, it's a no-brainer. So anyway, I tell the provost, and the captain cheat is not just brought before the board, but is put on administrative leave instantly. Like, instantly. He wasn't sent away in handcuffs or anything, as the stakes weren't that high, but this was an exam that affected a lot of people's money, and in turn, lives. This guy looked particularly pissed, more so than usual, and I know for a fact that he hasn't worked at the university level since, based on his LinkedIn that says he's working at a Target warehouse. 
See guys, one thing I've learned from reading malicious compliance stories is to never ever say tell someone who gives a crap when you do something you're not supposed to because people will. And Opie totally should have replied to him on LinkedIn with a hashtag guess someone did give a crap. And for those wondering, Opie says yes, all the students had to retake that exam. Alright, so this happened several years ago, and it's a multi-year long story, so I'll keep it as succinct as possible. We installed cameras in front of our home that were looking at our vehicles. Now, part of the camera angles did overlook parts of two neighbors' properties, one backyard and one side yard. The cameras were battery operated, and they had a function where you could gray out areas that you didn't want to film. When motion occurred in the grayed out areas, the cameras would not be activated to film. The neighbor's entire properties and several bushes on our property were grayed out. We did this when installing them. One of the neighbors was a friend, and she had no issues whatsoever. We showed her the camera angle, and she said she didn't care whether or not we grayed out the area. We still left it grayed out, though, over battery concerns. The other neighbor's name was Karen. Not really, but we know why I chose that name. Karen was on the HOA board, and as you can imagine, we didn't get along with Karen or the HOA board. We told Karen about the camera and showed her the grayed out areas, at the same time we told our friendly neighbor about it. It was simply an FYI conversation, not an asking permission conversation. So Karen tells us to take the cameras down immediately or we would regret it. So about a week after we hung up the camera, we got a notice from HOA that we were violating the bylaws. And the bylaw in question was a nuisance to your neighbor's bylaw. Now there wasn't a specific bylaw preventing placement of cameras, so this is all they could find to try to punish us. We responded with a letter detailing how we were not violating bylaws or any laws in general, and asked them to cease and desist. And we all know how these stories go though, they did not cease and they did not desist. Their first response was, the HOA has the right to enforce these bylaws, try to stop us if you think you can. I also want to note that these types of responses were unfortunately quite common from this board. So we enter this battle with one goal in mind, to cost them as much money and as time as possible. The HOA hired a lawyer specifically to fight us. To my knowledge, this has not happened to any other residents. In the following four months, we ended up costing the HOA over $4,000 in lawyer's fees fighting the battle. For reference, the entire HOA income was $25,000 a year. When it came time for our official HOA hearing over the matter, we had successfully postponed it, thanks to an attorney friend, three separate times. There were over 100 back and forth emails with the HOA attorney and ourselves. Each one of these emails was a 15-minute expense for the HOA and I was happy to follow up a follow-up question with another follow-up question, if it meant the HOA attorney was going to keep billing them. We didn't actually want to take this battle to court, so we ended up removing the cameras the day of the hearing, to prevent being fined, even if the fine wouldn't hold up in court. So the HOA decided in the hearing that we were guilty, surprise surprise, of violating the bylaw, but they couldn't fine us, as bylaws don't allow a fine until after a hearing has been held, and the cameras were already removed. So in the end, the punishment was a sternly written piece of paper on the attorney's letterhead that stated that we were not allowed to place a camera on our own home that had the potential to invade a neighbor's privacy. Keep in mind, the letter specifically stated the camera could not be placed on our home. We left the cameras off the home for four months until the annual HOA meeting. And you should have seen the look on the HOA board's faces when I asked them to explain the $4,000 line item for attorney's fees that simply stated, title searches, attorney fees. 
The board actually tried to hide the fact that they spent $4,000 trying to fight us over a couple of cameras by putting the fees in as title searches. Needless to say, that meeting did not go well for them. About half of them lost their positions on the board, and the other half, including Karen, unfortunately, remained on the board. About a week after the annual meeting, we installed new cameras, facing the same direction as the prior cameras. Only this time, we installed a post in the ground and we mounted the cameras to that post. The admonishment we received after the hearing specifically stated that we're not allowed to install cameras on our home, and said nothing about putting them on a post. They did try to send a letter to us to remove the cameras, but a sternly worded response indicating that we're prepared to fight them actually worked this time. I guess they didn't want to spend another $4,000 fighting us. We didn't receive any follow-up responses, and the cameras on the post are still installed to this day. Over two years, and running strong. Guys, what a delightfully petty and satisfying story. And you guys know how much I love reading about people going up against HOAs, because most of them have outrageous rules, and the people on the boards are just entitled bullies. But guys, a lot of comments in this post are actually defending the neighbor Karen, and calling OP the Karen saying that he's the creepy a-hole for putting up a camera that happens to overlook someone's backyard, and also that he's wasting HOA money that everyone's paid into to fight this battle. But guys, let me know what you think. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Concrete mixers are unwieldy, top-heavy, and spend a lot of time driving off-road with a shifting load. Consequently, we try to pay a lot of attention to what we're driving on and where the customer wants us to go. What the customer wants and what we're physically able to do don't always meet. So the job site I'm working is down near the Salton area. For those unfamiliar with Southern California history and geography, the Salton Sea is what happens when a man from Flint, Michigan hires a Canadian shipwright to dig a 60-mile irrigation canal, then digs a couple of illegal bypass channels right before one of the worst floods in the recorded history of the Colorado River. It has no outlets, and it's currently a fetid lake of salt, stink, and tilapia. The customer, who we'll call Polly, is building three greenhouses on sandy ground. The job mainly consists of pouring post holes for the steel supports. It's slow work that isn't helped by being next to the bog of eternal stench in one of the hottest and most humid parts of the state. The lot is clearly blow sand, the really fine stuff that gets carried by the wind. It has been graded smooth, but not compacted at all. Basically, the lot is a sand dune with pretensions of civilization, and even the balloon tires on the tractors are digging in. I'm not taking my pig of a truck anywhere near that sand. At least, not unless I wind up in a really foul mood. 
Now lucky for me, the subcontractor is not stupid. The guy looks at the situation and he decides to have me pour into the skip loader from the road. He knows we can't move my truck across that sand, so he's been having the loader ferry the concrete from my truck to the holes. It also means his crew has to shovel the concrete out by hand, and after the first couple of loads, they're gonna look like the chain gang from Cool Hand Loop, without the benefit of Joy Harmon. But since the owner doesn't want to spring for a pump, it's the best option available. Polly doesn't show up until a couple of days into the job. When I pull up with my load, he tells me that what we've been doing is taking too long. He's got a different plan, a better plan. He wants me to back out over the dirt to pour the holes directly, because clearly that thought never occurred to us. When I try to explain that the ground is too soft, he points at the tire tracks through the sand and he says that last truck made it just fine. Now this is a lie. Not only that, it's an obvious lie. The last truck made it is one of the more common lies people tell drivers, right up there with, we can refill your tank with a water truck. They're practically memes, similar to jokes about inspectors being the enemy, just without the humor or benign intent. It's the difference between Al Bundy and Ted Bundy. Now I know I'm being lied to, and what's worse, I'm being lied to incompetently. For starters, the tire tracks that Polly's pointing at were clearly made by the loader, not a truck. Also, I was the last truck. The way the job's been going, they've had one truck come out, pour the load, and then go back for the next one, while the crew sets and aligns the post in the holes. Now, Polly doesn't know this because he got there while I was off getting the next load. In fact, since it's his first time out here since we started, he has no clue that I'm the only driver that's been on the job since it started. Now this is also one of those areas that doesn't bother with stuff like street signs or addresses. On top of that, the job is on a flag lot, so it has a very narrow street facing. I was on the job the first day, and since after that I knew where it was, my manager Bob asked me to do it on subsequent days, so he wouldn't have to deal with lost drivers. Polly's a bad liar, and now I'm in a really foul mood. So with a smile, I say, Oh, well in that case, of course, I just need you to sign a ticket before I pull onto the property. On my way back to the cab, I call Bob to see what else we have going on that day. There isn't much other work, so Bob asked, what's going on? I then explained the situation, and Bob asked one question. He asked, did he sign the ticket? When I say yes, he tells me to be careful, and to call him if we need a wrecker. Now, if you've ever ordered concrete yourself and the driver refuses to pour without you signing a ticket first, think long and hard about what you asked him to do. The ticket includes a damage waiver and acknowledges receipt of the concrete. For the most part, however, it should be viewed as a giant red flag that the driver thinks there's some kind of liability in play. Now, it could be something as simple as backing up a curb, which could crack, or a front yard with ever-so-crushable irrigation pipes and septic tanks. It could also mean that you've really pissed off the driver, and he's about to nail you on standby time, as you have a limited amount of time to unload before the accounting trolls start charging you a buck or two every minute. Your best bet is to ask them if there's something to be concerned about. Technically, you could refuse to sign, but by that point, it's a Hobson's choice. And if there's nothing wrong with the load, you're paying for it either way. If we were busy, I would have slowly backed up until my truck started to bog down, and then pulled forward and refused to go any further. But we aren't busy, so when I bog down, I just pull forward and try again. Each time, I get a little further back, but it's very slow going, and Polly's getting upset. After half a dozen attempts, Polly starts waving me back furiously, and he shouts, Step on it! Just get on top of it! Apparently, Polly thinks I'm on a boat, but in the world of malicious compliance, the customer is always right. 
So I pull forward as far as I can, floor it in reverse, and right before I hit the sand, I flip the selector up and stick it into high range. A manual truck transmission is laid out in a standard H pattern, but each position covers two or three gears. There are selector switches to choose which set of gears you're using. For instance, on an 8-speed, low range is 1 to 4 and high range is 5 to 8. Now while high range reverse is a usable gear, you will almost never see a driver using it. Even the manufacturers recommend against attempting it, as it's a fiddly gear that's easy to break if you hit it with too much power. Also, you rarely ever need to go anywhere near that fast in reverse. My truck leaps onto that sand like a gazelle, huffing and wheezing across the veldt. It doesn't last long, I've barely made it a truck length before I have to go back down to low range. Not long after that, my wheels start slinging dirt. The tires sink in and the truck starts bouncing from the effort. That's the signal to stop and check my work. Polly is of course not happy with this. My truck is nowhere near close enough. At that point, Polly looks at me and to my complete and utter lack of surprise, he asked, What happened? I tell him I appear to be stuck. He then asked if I can pull forward and try again. I then look at my tires. The truck is buried to the axles and it weighs as much as 13 pickup trucks. Nothing short of divine intervention is moving that truck while it's full. So I smile and say, okay, I'll give it a shot. On the side of my stick is a little knob for something called deep reduction. You set that knob and put it into low and that engine turns into the god of torque. For you gearheads out there, the ratio is somewhere around 27 to 1. It's practically impossible to stall the engine in that gear without running into an immovable object. Even then, you're just as likely to snap your axle or tear out the drivetrain, while the engine hums merrily along. And of course, if you're on soft, loose sand, it'll just kick a glorious wicked rooster tail over anything, or anyone, behind you. At this point, Polly is spitting dirt when I get out to give him the bad news. It looks like we're gonna have to keep on using the loader like we were. Then once we finish with that, he can use it to help me pull my truck out of the dirt. In the end, we had the loader pulling on my tow hook and an excavator pushing on the Mansfield bar. Not only did it waste half an hour of precious time he was trying to save, but he had to pay around $50 worth of standby. Now of course, it could have been worse. If I had been truly stuck, he would have been on the hook for a wrecker. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I was really hoping OP was stuck so Polly would be on the hook for a wrecker to really teach him a lesson. And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash malicious compliance. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the stories today, the super satisfying stories. And if you're not subscribed, consider subscribing so you don't miss these crazy, crazy stories. And if you guys missed yesterday's episode on the channel, I'll link it right here. It's an r slash entitled people episode where a racist Karen berates OP for cooking Chinese food and she destroys her own career. Guys, go check it out if you haven't, and myself and Stevie Boy will see you guys in the next one. We love you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.